Isn't it good to praise God? Yeah. There's, there's a lot to praise God for. Uh, great things that are happening and the way He works in our life. It's, a, it's amazing. I praise God that I had an opportunity. Uh, uh, on my day off every now and then, I go over to the, to the gym. I know you could tell. And uh, I, I get on one of those um, uh, elliptical machines where you, you kind of do that thing and, and, you, and it really makes you feel good because the calories click off about how many calories you're burning and then you realize that if you just eat one cookie, you've already shot the whole thing. I mean, it takes a lot to burn off like one cookie. But anyways, I'm up there doing that and I take my earphones and I plug it in because I get all these TVs up there. And, you know, I'm, I'm always flipping the stations to try to find what's fun to watch. And I was, uh, it was the news that morning, and, and then Good Morning America was on. And they had one of those, those uh, feel-good kind of stories. Uh, check it out. There is nothing we like better than bringing you stories about people helping someone in need. People choosing, sometimes in a split second, to do the right thing. And this, well, it's one of those stories. Good Samaritans, none of whom knew one another, all faced danger to save a man's life. Calls for help are heard as a ring of fire engulfs this car. Trapped inside the 1932 Ford Victoria, 69-year-old Robert Evlison, unconscious but alive, Steve Sotelo reaches the burning vehicle first. Hearing Sotelo's pleas, Chris Oxley runs from his car to help. The two men struggle with the car door, seconds passing slowly as they try to free Evlison from the car, to no avail. Others on the road jump in. One man attempts to extinguish the flames. As the minutes go by, even more people run to the crash site. One wielding a crowbar, a small village trying to save one man. Moments later, he is released from the vehicle and dragged to safety. My heart was just racing. Patrick Murray witnessed the accident from his balcony. My first response was that this isn't something that somebody could survive. He says the entire event took place in under two minutes, 120 excruciating seconds. These people were so quick to help the person. I mean, they cars were stopping immediately. People were running out, doing everything that they could to, to get this guy out. And it was, you know, one effort after another. Somehow, Evlison escaped with just two cracked vertebrae, bruises, and burns. We spoke to him last night. He told us, if it wasn't for these guys, I wouldn't have been here today. This is how people should act today. And if they did, this would be a much better place. It certainly, certainly would be. And, you know, adding to the story, none of the rescuers stuck around to take credit. They weren't in it for the glory. They came later when, uh, when police asked them to identify themselves. And two of them, the first two on the scene, join us live from Los Angeles, Steve Sotelo and Chris Oxley. Gentlemen, I have been looking forward to talking to you all morning long. It is great to have you here with us. And, Steve, let me start with you first because you were first on the scene to stop your car and to help. Tell us what you, what you saw when you first approached the burning car. Yeah, thank you. Uh, first of all, before we start, I'd just like to thank God for being there that day with us and helping us all through that. Mm -hmm. uh, now, as the story goes on, as, as Steve starts to tell the story, he talks about how uh, he was able to rescue him, as, the, as they had said there. But uh, as I listened to the story... I just began to praise God for not only Steve, because he went on to talk about how this whole idea of helping people was part of his family and part of his church family. And I began to praise God for not only Steve, but also for his church. And you see, we would do well to do that. When we see somebody being the good Samaritan or, or doing something nice or helping people, not only should we thank God, but we should also really thank their church. Because according to some new research, 
uh, people's places of worship have a huge influence on their benevolent and helpful and nice behavior. The research was conducted by Harvard professor Robert Putnam and Notre Dame scholar David Campbell, and they're going to be publishing a book that's going to be coming out in October. It's called American Grace, How Religion is Reshaping Our Civic and Political Lives. Uh, some of the information was already revealed as a, a Bob Kaler, not our Bob Kaler, but a different guy by the name of Bob Kaler from homiletics.com said that this was already released, uh, that this study revealed that people who attended church are three to four times more likely to be involved in their community than non-religious people. Uh, they're more apt to work on community projects, belong to volunteer associations, vote in local elections, uh, attend public meetings, donate both time and money to, to public ca- causes, whether they're church-related or secular-related. These studies also show that church people are, in general, just nicer. I look at the person and say, you're a nice person. Yeah, we're, nice pe- we're nice people <laughs> because they do good deeds. They help both neighbors and strangers, and they give money to panhandlers and help those who are in need like in an accident. They're behaving well, not because they're trying to uh, uh, secure a place in heaven or escape some kind of judgment, divine judgment. Rather, the study shows that they are that way because of the relationships they have in their places of worship, that those they interact with influence them. Church and godly relationships are a good thing. Now, no church is perfect, but a great place where we're encouraged and challenged and mentored and bolstered up to reflect the blessings of God and to help our world. And that happens here at Cypress Church. Uh, In the local papers, you've seen some of the articles, but let me highlight them. Uh, In, uh, I believe it is in August, uh, a while back, Cypress students bring blankets to Skid Row Homeless. Cypress Church feeds thousands on Thanksgiving Day. Uh, Christmas Day, Cypress feeds the, the people at Skid Row. Uh, Cypress Church supports local schools like Landell. Cypress Church volunteers in Mexico, and Cypress Church serves children in Ecuador, and Cypress Church serves local seniors. As a matter of fact, just yesterday, a team of our church went down and helped at the local uh, senior center. Cypress Church really cares. It's a place where we care and where people thrive. We are better together. The truth is that that's the way it is with life. We are better together. Now, all through the Bible and all through specifically the book of Acts that we've been studying these past numbers of weeks, we see this better together reality. Words like us, we, them, the church, all groups of people making a difference, spurring each other on to be the the helpful, loving people God has designed us to be. In our, and in our text this morning, Acts chapter 16, verses uh, 16 to 13, we see the same idea, that we are better together, revealing uh, four benefits, four reasons, and four actions to take on that assure that we are the best God designed us to be. So if you wouldn't mind, please standing with me, and I'd like to pray. Uh, that as, as you're standing, I'm glad that you're here. I don't believe that you're here by accident. You may have just on a whim decided to come to church today or maybe an invitation of a friend or this is your regular um, Sunday habit, but I believe you're here on this day at this time in this service next to these people you're next to because God wants you here. God has something to say to you. And so I'd hope that you'd listen and let's pray to that end. Father, thank you 
that you brought us here. And thank you that you have something for us to gain. Not only that we would be nicer people, but also, Lord, there's something you want us to learn today. There's a reason we, you want us here. So help us to gain something from this time that we are here together, we pray in your son's name. Amen. You may have a seat, and I encourage you to take out your, out of your worship folder. There's a place to jot down some notes uh, in there. It's on the flyleaf. Uh, there's some blanks to fill in. Encourage you to do that. The answers will be up on the screen. And also encourage you to write down some of the verses that we talk about as we look at these four benefits, reasons, and actions to be better together. The story I want us to look in is in the book of Acts. We've been studying through this book for a number of weeks, almost months now. And if you would turn to Acts chapter 16, I'd like to read this in parts to you. But the first part here is Acts 16 to 18. Let me read to you what's going on here. The um, or tell you what's going on here at this point. Uh, Luke, who is the author of the book of Acts, is writing about a certain instance that happened with him and, and Paul and Silas. Uh, they're in the city of Philippi now, which is in Greece. They're staying in the house of Lydia, a person who's just come to know the Lord, and is now housing them, and, and here is what happens. Once we were going, on the, going to the place of prayer where we met a slave girl who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for for her owners by fortune-telling. This girl followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God. They are telling you the way to to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so troubled that he turned and said to the Spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the Spirit left her. Now, we don't see demon possession happen all over the place in this part of the world. Uh, it's kind of very rare. It does happen, but in other parts of the world, it is prevalent. I know when I was in India a number of years ago, we were there at something, and all of a sudden this woman just flipped out. She started spewing stuff from her mouth, and she just it was raving, and, and all the pastors there grabbed, gathered around her began to start praying for her, and I turned to my guide and said, what's up? And he says, well, this, this woman's a, there's this demon speaking in, out of her and, and these guys are exercising, so pray. So I just you know, put out my hand and started praying that God would release her from this and she kind of sighed and then crumpled to the ground. Um, and then the guy said, yeah, the demon's left and they ministered to her and led her to the Lord. That happens all over the world, even today. It's not just a fictitious thing or something we see in movies. It really happens. And in biblical times, it happened all the time. This, this girl was not only in bondage to this, uh, this demon that was inhabiting her, but also she was in bondage from these uh, owners that would, were uh, using her and what was happening in her life. And Paul, after this girl, just I mean, he's, she's speaking the truth, but she, he just gets, it says, so troubled. The word actually means annoyed or exasperated or frustrated. You see, even godly people like Paul get frustrated because the truth is life is frustrating. Yes? Anybody been through any frustrations? Yeah, we all have them. We all face frustrations. Maybe it's change or maybe it's dealing with family or maybe it's insensitive friends. Things are frustrating. Things are annoying. Maybe we're annoyed even at ourselves. We can't lose that weight that we want to lose. We mess up again. Uh, things don't work out as we hoped, and we're annoyed. Or life can be discouraging, a setback of some kind. 
another job rejection, another relationship let down. And life can even get exasperating. Ongoing medical issues, nagging inner struggles, more stress, less pay. And yet God has blessed us in the midst of our frustration that we don't have to be frustrated alone. We don't have to bear this burden alone. We can be better together. Galatians 6.2 says it this way, carry each other's burdens. In this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Now, I want to illustrate this, and I, I have a burden. Marcos, <laughs> he volunteered to be my burden. He's not a burden at all, but let's just pretend he's my burden. Have a seat, burden. <laughs> now, I could take this burden, and I could lift it myself, because, you know, I've been working out. <laughs> and Marcos has lost a lot of weight to help me. He told me just a while ago he's lost over 100 pounds. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Way to go. But I, I don't want to lift this burden alone because, you know, I don't want to show off in front of all of you, but I, I, I need help. And so, Sam, come on. Andy, come on. Ted, why don't you come help me too? Rob, you're sitting there. Come on. <laughs> Yeah, he's laughing at me going, these guys, are you guys ready? Come on, we need, let's see if we can lift this guy together. Ready? One, two, three. <laughs> okay, lift him up high. Yeah, there you go. Look at these guys. Give him a hand. Yeah. How you doing up there, Marcos? My burden is lifted. I feel lighter already. Okay, let him down slowly. Don't break the chair or him. <laughs> All right, thanks, you guys. You can go have a seat. Those guys are strong. Yeah, but smell isn't everything. Okay. <laughs> You know, the thing about that, that, that burden is, is that, uh, um, sure, I could have probably done it myself. And I would have struggled, and you guys would have laughed at me and that. Um, <clears throat> but God gives us things in our life. Sometimes they're way too heavy for us to bear alone. And God has given us a community, a fellowship, that we could gather together. But the truth is, I would have started this, and some of you guys would have think, what are you doing? And a few of you kind-hearted people would have just rushed and tried to help me do this anyways. But the truth is, I had to ask. And that's what we need to do in life. We need to ask. When we face burdens in life, there's no reason for us to do it alone. And that's why we have a community. But it takes some of our part to do that. We have to jump into that. Now, yes, it's true that we need to uh, um, talk about these with the Lord. And so write down on your margins, Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30. That's where Jesus says, Come to me, all you are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Then also write down 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. It says, Cast all your anxiety upon him. Yes, we are to do those things, but we're also to get help from other people. Many of you remember one of our elders, uh, John Rissler. Uh, John was involved here. He taught kindergarten uh, in our Sunday school here, but he was also one of our elders for many years. He was an elder that uh, brought the church through some great highs and some great lows. Wonderful, godly man. But one time when, when, when the church was going through this recent economic trouble, you know, when it just started and lots of people were losing their jobs, John, up in the, one of the elder meetings, said, uh, I want to confess something to you guys and, and challenge you as elders to help people share their burdens because a while back, I was out of work and I got laid off and I didn't tell anybody for three months. And he walked around church here and just acted like everything was normal, but inside he was dying. But he finally, after three months, shared it with other people. And what a relief he felt 
that people would stand with him and can pray with him and help him and challenge him and encourage him. But for three months, he was trying to lift that burden alone. And he wanted to tell all of us elders, you know, help people to, to share their burden. Let's do something so that people will be willing to share their burden because no one should walk through that path alone. And this with all the difficulties of life because life is just plain frustrating. And there's no reason for us to show off and try to lift it by ourselves. Now, it doesn't mean that we dump it on somebody and walk away going, you take care of my problem, I'm going to go do something else. No, we lift it together. Together we work together. Don't shirking our responsibility. Uh, we don't do that. We get help. And many of you can attest to how people of this church have helped you as they brought meals and helped you walk through some deep valleys in your life because you were putting yourself out there. You asked for help and you were, had built relationships enough so that you knew. See, I knew these guys. I knew I could count on their strength because I knew them. And when you're known and, and have people know you, it's so much easier to ask for help. Now, we're not perfect. And our help can sometimes be not all that helpful. But we should keep trying to help and let others help us. See, we all desire God's peace and not the frustrations of life. And as Psalm 34, 14 says, Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Peter picks up on that in his uh, writing. And he says in 1 Peter 3, Verse 11, he must turn from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. If you have your Bible with you, go flip over to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 8, it starts out and says this before verse 11. It says, finally, all of you live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic. Love as brothers. Be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing because of this, you were called that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever does love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceitful speech. He must turn from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. To seek peace, to seek is to investigate where to find it. And to pursue is to chase after it or to, or to run with intensity. So we are to find peace and go after it. Where do we find peace? Jesus tells us in John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. This peace is the peace that comes from God, that he gives to those who believe. For we need peace with God. Because as Isaiah 59, 2 says, your iniquities have separate, separated you from God and your sins has, have hidden his face from you so that, you are, that he will not hear you. See, one of the plights of mankind is that we're born with the frustration of sin in our life. And so that sin is there and it creates a distance between us and God. We're born with it and we kind of keep adding to it all of our life. And there is a distance between us and God. And we can try to act right and go to church and you know, hang around nice people and be nice ourselves. And those actions are great. They are wonderful for us. They help us do well, but they don't bridge that gap. There's nothing humanly we can do to bridge that gap. And if we don't bridge that gap, we won't be able to experience the blessings that God has for us. 
We won't be able to experience the joy of a close relationship with him, and we won't be led into heaven. So it's imperative that we bridge this gap. Well, see, we can't do it on our own. That's why God sent us a Savior to save us from this plight, save us from this condition. And what Jesus did when he died on the cross, he bridged the gap. And how we participate in that, how we benefit from that, is to believe. And you'll see later as the jailer believes. But belief is a confession that I'm sinful and a confession that Jesus is a Savior and a commitment to live life His way. And that's where you can have peace with God from our sin. When we make peace with God, we are to continue to seek that peace that surpasses understanding from God. It's that peace that comes despite the frustrating circumstances of life where we don't understand why things are happening the way they are. But it comes as we understand who God is, that He is working His plan regardless of our situation. This is where godly people in the church can help. Because sometimes we are so steeped in our frustration that we can't see God working. And we need people to speak into our lives. And so we are better together. And many of you can attest to that, how people have helped you in your time of need to speak God's truth into your life and to to help you experience that peace of God. See, we are better at handling frustrations when we focus on God's peace. So why not continue or get back to or start to connect with the people of this church and be more consistent? Show up more often. Get involved in a small group or a Sunday school class and be known and get to know others, for we're better together. As well, together, we are better at handling difficulties. Look at what happened after this slave girl was released from her bondage. When the owners of the slave girl realized their hope for making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten after they had been severely beaten. and They were thrown into the prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Upon receiving such orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet to the stocks. See, it was, a, it was an economic issue that move this mob into this raging, I, we got to do something, let's lynch somebody. And so they decided that the magistrates, the, the, the governing officials gave in to the mob rule and had the guys beaten severely. They had their robes ripped off of them and they took sticks and just beat them mercilessly, big welts on their back and, and, and opening sores and all of that. It was severely they were beaten. And then they were thrown into the high-security prison, back in the inner parts of the prison with their feet shackled. All because they released this girl from her bondage, (laughs) from the bondage of that evil one and the bondage of their owners. They didn't do anything wrong. They were held with a mock trial, really not even a trial at all. The mob just ruled doing something that was against Roman citizens. Had they figured it out, they would have known that both Paul and Silas were Roman citizens. And this is not how you treat a citizen. And now they've messed up in the government. 
not even following their own rules. And yet, life got very difficult for Paul and Silas. And life can get difficult for us as well. Maybe your day looked like this. Hopefully it wasn't that bad. But difficult, difficulty is part of life. You know, bad grades, bad reviews, bad bosses, bad medical reports, bad relationships, bad people, bad circumstances, bad things happen. And regardless of whether we cause it or not, we are better together at handling life's difficulties. Paul or Silas didn't deal with what they dealt with alone. They had each other with them. And just like our church, we rally around and have rallied around numerous families as they have traveled the road of cancer or job loss or relationship blow-ups. See, we were never meant to travel life's road alone. Last week I gave you a verse to look up later. It was, it was Ecclesiastes 4, and here's verse 10 and 11 of that passage. If one falls down, this is Solomon, the wisest man, who's saying that that you know, life can be so meaningless and it's so meaningless when you're alone because if one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls down and has no one to help him up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? See, God designed us to be connected, to be in relationship with each other, close enough so that when you're walking along life and you stumble, whether you stumble over yourself or something's in front of you and causes you to stumble, that there's somebody there that knows your life enough to know that you've fallen. Not that you're pretending, like John was so for three months, that nothing was wrong. You know, we're good actors and actresses, aren't we? <laughs> How are you? Fine. How's everything going? Fine. And no, it's not. You know, I just lost my job. My house is in foreclosure. I've just found out some really bad news medically. And we go on and on and on because we just have not gotten close enough together. Pity the man who falls alone. You don't have to. It's getting in relationships and getting connected enough so that there's somebody there next to you who knows your life enough. When you fall, they know. And that takes some guts. It takes some willingness to be vulnerable and open, and we talked all about that last week. But it really helps when someone is there with you. I'm sure that as Paul was facing that, uh, that uh, uh, flogging, and as he looked over and saw his eye, and they knew that persecution was going to hit them as they followed Christ, and you can almost see the twinkle in their eye as they exchanged that and just smiled as they realized every stripe on their back is a... Is a a blow of appreciation for what they're doing. To know that for the cause of Christ, Christ suffered, they know they will. And there was an encouragement that happened. First Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. The word encourage basically means to go alongside someone, to be with somebody, 
to communicate the, when it's time the appropriate truths of them, to them. To say comforting words, reminding them of how much God loves them and God cares when there's the opportunity. It's inspiring words when they're ready to hear it of how they can make it and God can help them press on. It's, it's sometimes exhortive words like that coach saying, come on, you can make it. The finish line is just only this far away. Or most of the time, it's just saying nothing. It's just being there. Listening and being that listening ear. And when God gives you the opportunity to speak, it greatly helps to focus on God's promises. The Bible is packed full of promises of God. Some have even pulled those out and written books, like here's one, 199 promises of God, and they're just simply Bible verses about what God promises to us. Uh, there's a few that I love, uh, Jeremiah 29, 11, that God has plans for us, not for bad things, but for good things. Psalm 139, the most favorite passage of all the Bible, because it talks about how God is intimately acquainted with all of our ways. And then the last part of, of Hebrews 13.5, it says that, that God will never leave us or never forsake us. We are to encourage each other with these things. And many times we just need others to gently remind us of the promises of God. That's why we as a church have made ourselves available to our community. We've done a number of memorial services of people who don't even go here because we want to encourage them with the promises of God. We've helped people with meals and provided counseling and, and, and have support groups available and do seminars on things like aging well or navigating through tough economic times and why we need to be together is to help us with these things. Sure, we're not perfect. And like most family, there will be conflict, um, feeling we don't belong. But God has you here, not only to be helped, but also to help other people, to help those around you better handle life's difficulties. See, together we are better at handling those difficulties when we all focus on God's promises. So connect. Take the time to invest so that somebody knows you enough that when you go through a tragedy, when you fall, when a difficulty hits your life, somebody knows. And it's not their fault if they don't notice. It's up to each of us to be connected for we're better together. Here's another benefit, another reason, an action to be better together. See, together... We are better at encouraging the positive. Look at what happens after this flogging and these gentlemen are put in prison in the darkest part of the prison. It says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were moaning and crying and complaining to each other and could not believe what had happened. It's not that, that's not what it says. <laughs> it doesn't say that Paul and Silas were complaining at all or that they were bemoaning the fact that they had been beaten, or, you know, wow, this is hard, this is difficult. And they even didn't talk about how great they were about getting persecuted for God's sake. This is what they said. At midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and, and all at once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword 
He was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped, but Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. You see, instead of resulting in a prison break, even people who did not know God were challenged to do the right thing. From the jailer to the inmate. You see, we are better together at encouraging the positive. And when God's people focus on God's presence, it changes us and it influences the people around us. Paul and Silas were getting into God's presence. They were singing hymns and, and talking about God and everybody else was hearing it. They were all listening in. It changes us. Like when we go to a, a conference or a camp or an admissions experience or a special worship time in our small group or, or here on Sundays when we experience God, it makes a difference. It gives us a right perspective and it's, it quiets, it stills our soul. When I was finishing up this sermon on Thursday, some of you also received an email from me on Friday that was written on Thursday. Uh, but this last week's been stressful. I'm getting ready to go to, to do some speaking with Takeshi in Sri Lanka and, and there's a lot to do before time because we're, right when I get back, we're starting that Living God's Unique Call campaign and there's a lot to do. So I'm a little stressed. And I just, I needed to come on, on, a, on that morning and I, so I was there in the morning. I said, Lord, I just need something from you. I want to be in your presence. Just speak to me. And I opened up and God brought me to Psalm 46. And as I read that psalm, it was great as the Lord just uh, filled my soul and verse 10 popped out. Be still and know that I am God. See, God is real. When you speak, he actually hears you. And he responds. Now, I didn't hear any audible voice of God. But God directed me to that verse. As, as if he were saying, Mike, be still. I'm still God. I still got it all in control. It's not about you. I'm taking care of things. I am the Lord God Almighty. So don't worry. And an incredible sense of his presence surrounded me. God does that. And we can get into his presence. And when we get close to him, we can see that, that beauty can come from ashes, as Isaiah 61 verse 3 says. That God can work bad circumstances into his glory and our good, as Romans 8.28 says. And that was what was done for harm, God can turn it into victory, just like he did with Joseph in Genesis 45. This positive outlook comes from a focus on God's presence. Write down Psalm 27. A wonderful psalm. Verse 4 reads like this. Go ahead and put it up there, guys. Verse 4, right there. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, says that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. When you dwell in the house, you are in the presence of that person. And what David wanted so bad all of his life to live in the presence of God, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, to gaze upon the beauty is to worship God, to, to tell of how much value he has in our life, to exalt him, to, to praise him. 
and to seek him in his temple, that inner part of the temple where there was such incredible peace. And all that is found in the presence of God. When we go into his presence, when we are there, and what's interesting about this particular psalm, it's also through many of the psalms throughout scripture, these were meant to be sung or chanted as a congregation. Together, as we're singing about our God, who is faithful and able, our God, who is a healer, we are encouraged and challenged to be in his presence. And we need others to help us, to help us get right with God and stay right with him and keep right with him and to bring us back to him. We are better together. Now, we don't get it right all the time. People get overlooked, people are lonely, and we mess up, just like in any family. But God has you here, not only for your sake, but for others' sake as well. See, we are better together at encouraging the positive together when we are brought into God's presence. So connect. Take some opportunity to get to know people. Get into a small group, community life group. Be more consistent, for we are better together. Better at handling frustration, better at handling Difficulties better at encouraging the positive, and lastly, we are better at helping our world. Look at the last part of Acts passage that we're going to look at today. After the earthquake and, and that the jailer called for lights and rushed into and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked them, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. That's all it takes. That's all it takes. There's not a gauntlet to run. There's not a a bunch of do's and don'ts to do. It's simply believe. To come to that place in your life where you understand I'm sinful, I need a Savior, and I'm going to commit my life to live it as best as I can Christ's way. And there may be some of you who have not yet made that decision. I encourage you, come to the place where you believe. It'll make all the difference in the world. It did for this jailer and his family. They all believed. It says, uh, they reply, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and, and all the others of the house. And at that hour of night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. And immediately, all the family were baptized. The jailer brought them into the house and set before them a meal. And he was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. You see, Paul and Silas, they didn't look at this as a way out. They looked at this that they could do what God wanted them to do in this world. They could fulfill God's purposes. And how we are good to the world and how we are helping the world is by, by living out God's purposes. And that's what Paul and Silas did. They sought to, to share the life-changing message of Jesus one of God's clear purposes of outreach he wants us to do. See, when we band together as, as, as believers and live out God's purposes through our unique way that God has designed us to live and to serve, it makes a difference. With Paul and Silas, they saw these jailers, uh, this jailer and his family come to Christ. And all we need to do is look around the world and, and see the unique Christian organizations that are helping our world. 
Things like World Vision and Wells for Africa and Bread of the World, Mercy Ships, World Relief, Compassion Canada, all fulfilling God's purposes as they serve the needs of our world. We also, as a church, banded together last Christmas and did this thing called Faith Promise. We trusted God for an amount and we decided we'd give it, each of us, out of faith. And we collected a large sum of money. And God has because of our banding together, has allowed us to, to do incredible things. We've, we're, we're building a, w- a well in India to give water to people. We've helped out uh, ministries in Africa and Ecuador and New Orleans, and we sent thousands of dollars for aid to Haiti. Our collective efforts made a huge impact. And God's purposes, as they have been filled, fulfilled, make an impact. We are better together. Now, we don't get it right every time. We get lazy, and sometimes we get unorganized. Sometimes each of us get overly stressed with the difficulties and duties of life, but God still wants us to be unified and together so that we can make a difference in our world. See, together we are better at helping our world when we focus on God's purposes. So why not continue or get back to or, or start or do whatever it takes to connect with the people of this church and be more consistent. Come more often, for we are better together. You will be better together. And someone will give praise to God in this church because you help someone. Now, you're probably wondering about the combinations I have here in front of you today. <laughs> They're object lessons of better together. Peanut butter and jelly. They're great separate, but they are better together, Right? Macaroni and cheese and ketchup. Everything's better with ketchup. Yeah, that's my man. I even had ice cream, uh, ketchup ice cream. Have you tried it? Don't complain unless you try it. Mac, okay, maybe not the ketchup, just mac and cheese. Okay, yeah. Try it sometimes, you'll like it. And then, of course, peanuts and baseball, right? Wonderful combinations together. But that's like us. See, when we band together, when we come together as brothers and sisters from different walks of life, different generations, different genders, when we pull together, we make a great combination. And God wants to do incredible things through this combination. Right here in this city. I believe it so. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you that you call us not to live life alone. Lord, you call us to handle frustrations together as we seek and pursue peace. You cause us to handle better together the difficulties of life when we do it together as we focus on your promises and you allow us to encourage the positive as we focus on on you and your presence and as we seek to help the world, Lord, as we focus on your purposes, Lord. Thank you that you call us together. We don't have to lift the burdens of life or go through life alone, but we have together we can do this. And Lord, I'm thankful for this body of believers and the unity we share with you. Lord, help us to continue to band together to make a difference in our world and in our city. We pray in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Let's.